quality of our lives is directly proportional to the quality of questions we ask ourselves. We are turning to retired Navy SEAL Rich Devaney. What the Navy SEALs actually are is we are masters of uncertainty. And the founder of a business called The Attributes. Courage as an attribute is the ability to step into our fear. A keynote speaker alongside Simon Sinek's Optimus. Be resolute in the outcome, but be flexible in your approach. And that's how, that's how you should approach any goal. And one thing that I really love in a number of podcasts that I listen to and connect with, uh, I guess these consistent themes at the back end of every show where it gives a listener or the viewer something to look forward to, where they know that guest is going to answer the same questions as the ones previous have. Yeah. And there's basically five questions that I like to tap into okay. and get an idea of, of who you are as a person for maybe someone who'll be seeing that as a trailer because I upload that separately too. Um, but also it's a really nice way just to close off a great conversation. So the great. first is if you had to recommend one book or one podcast to someone listening, what would it be? One book or one podcast. Okay. Well, I, because he's a dear friend and because I think he's doing such great work in the world, I think the podcast I would recommend is the Huberman lab podcast. Um, mm. And, and, it, and yes, he's a dear friend, but it's also because I've always believed in today's environment, in today's society, uh, scientists and people who discover are, they're the rock stars in my mind, right? I, I feel like we place such emphasis on Hollywood and, and YouTube and these people who, and I don't want to, I don't want to uh, uh, besmirch anybody, but they don't, they don't contribute a lot. Um, and the people who are contributing to human beings and our society and our environment, by the way, every day are those people doing the hard work in the labs and the scientists. So, so he is highlighting those people. and I think he's doing an excellent job. Um, gosh, books. I mean, I try to read so much. Uh, I try to diversify my reading. So I think that's a very um, tough question to answer if I were to boil it down to one. But I will say uh, some of the books I love the most, in other words, I kind of go back to our, our the Yuval Harari book, Sapiens um, and, um, and Homo Deus. He has, he, he's a writer that writes about the human species and human evolution in a very fascinating, interesting way uh, for me, because it really highlights us as a species and why and how we've we've come the way we've come. So those are the two I would uh, recommend. I love it. Now, the second question may be a little bit controversial on this podcast. I usually ask the one skill you'd recommend mastering that significantly improved your life. Maybe I'll allow you to, to come at us with two answers here. The one skill you'd recommend mastering and the one um, attribute that you'd recommend developing that yeah. has significantly improved your life? I will, okay, so I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll answer that in two ways. Uh, the first one will be the, uh, the uh, attribute. And I think, um, I, I'm, not sure if, I'm not sure if attributes can be mastered, okay? I think attributes can be developed and attributes can be, um, can be kind of uh, executed, right? But, um, but I think uh, I think those the 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 if you're going to focus on one, focus on the grit ones, and if you're going to focus on one attribute in the grit ones, focus on your courage. Practice courage, all right. And and then and then the next one, interesting enough, you'll agree with this is resilience. Practice courage. Practice resilience. Practice stepping outside of your comfort zone, and then practice uh, being able to recover when when bad things happen. So those are the two skills it's interesting one well i'll answer this one by giving you a little bit of preview i'm starting to i'm getting i'm starting to map out the second book the, the second book is going to be about mastering uncertainty 
um, and what it takes to become a master of uncertainty. And there will be some skills. There are some skills that are involved in the ability to drop into any environment and perform um, and, and be, be a problem solver. So those skills I will outline in the book, um, but I think part of those skills involve your ability to, and again, I know there's an attribute called compartmentalization, but the, the ability to compartmentalize uh, takes some skill. And, um, and I'm going to map out those skills in this, in this project. But, but to give people just a little bit of taste, uh, one of the things that one, someone should practice doing on a consistent basis is the skill of asking better questions. Um, our brains are... Uh, question answering machines. And when we when we plug a question into our frontal lobe, our brain has no choice but to come up with answers. And oftentimes we do this, uh, but we do this the wrong way. We say things like, why am I so bad at this? Uh, why are these people out to get me? Why are why is this? Why does things always happen to me? As soon as you ask that question, your brain is going to start giving you answers. And I guarantee they're not going to be empowering. And so <clears throat> every single high performer uh, that I've ever experienced, and I learned this trick in high school, they take conscious control of the questions they ask themselves on a consistent mm. basis. They ask better ones. They ask better questions. And I'm a true believer, both, uh, both um, experientially and philosophically, that the quality of our lives is directly proportional to the quality of questions we ask ourselves on a consistent basis, right? We ask ourselves better questions. We focus on better things. We go better directions. And that's a skill that can be practiced and developed. Mate, that's an answer and a half. I love that. And I want to quickly comment on what you said just there about asking great questions. You actually on the Lewis Howes podcast, which I listened to this morning before we, we tapped into our chat here today, there's one thing you said that I really loved and really agreed with, and I'm definitely guilty of, of not doing it at times, but you said when you effectively ask a question and you're effectively listening because you care about the response that that person's going to give, you can't, if you like, if you're truly listening, you're not just going to fire back with advice. Right. Like you need to sit with that. You need to actually process what someone's saying. And I thought that was such a good recommendation because I know at times, and I actually today when I was asking mates questions and checking on a few people in my life, I was trying to be really present with that. Like instead of just tapping into like wanting to help all the time, sometimes the most helpful thing is actually sitting there and absorbing what someone's saying. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, people and I'm want so to be guilty of that. To, yeah. yeah, yeah, we all are. Don't feel bad. We all are. We all typically approach conversations with this idea of when someone's speaking and I'm listening, I'm thinking about a either what I'm going to say next or b how what that person's saying relates to me. And this is not a malicious act. We're trying to actually we're trying to do it because we think it'll actually help us uh, relate to this human being. The problem is when we do that, we're taking focus away from them and we're placing it on us. And so the the trick to true empathetic listening and, and by empathetic listening i mean listening that allows someone to feel like they are cared about they cared for uh is to as you're listening to someone be completely engaged and as they're saying things to you if something's coming to your head you basically pretend it's a whiteboard and you, you you wipe it away and you are fully present you're fully hearing them um then when you listen to someone they will truly start to feel cared for they will feel like you care about them as a human being they feel like they will feel heard because that's really what people want. They want to be heard. Yeah, it's so true, mate. I love that. The third question I wanted to ask was, if you could identify one challenge in your life that's required the most growth to over overcome, what would that be? Um, probably, uh, probably my own self-discipline. 
Um, I am not a self-disciplined person. I never have been. Self-discipline is, is difficult for me. Um, and, uh, and so the, the ability to kind of be resolute in my, in my own behavior when no one, when the, when the external world has no, has no say in it, it's like, Hey, this is you, uh, you know, telling yourself what to do. Um, that's something that I have always, um, practiced and still, still do struggle with on, on occasion. And I kind of make a joke. I mean, none of human beings holistically, we don't like to be told what to do, right? We just, because we're, that's kind of the whole butts up against our freedom, right? So we hate to be told mm -hmm. what to do. I'm someone who doesn't even like to tell myself what to do, right? So I, so I say, hey, uh, you're, I'm going to get up and do this or work out or do that. Like, don't tell me what to do, right? I don't like it, right? So, um, so for me, it's been self-discipline. Um, it probably always will be. And that's something that I'm continually um, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the dance with, I guess is a good way to say it. So, yeah, it's, and it's so interesting because it sounds like such a contrast to what people would believe of a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But, yeah. Well, but, I mean, again, but, but, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Navy SEALs, whatever, whatever endeavor, anybody you see out there and you know this because you are a success, anybody that you see out there who has been successful, again, all those, all the people are seeing is the success part. They don't see all the struggle that's gotten them there. It's kind of like this, this Michael Jordan saying, it's like, I did, I did 10,000 free throw shots. I failed 10,000 times, you know. Um, all those failures are invisible to people when they see someone who's at the, at the who, who's succeeded. And so, um, and so that struggle is, is, is present for anybody who's succeeded. And it continues for people who succeed. Those, those people who are serial succeeders, they are people who have also become serial uh, uh, challengers and pushers and workers, and and they've they've serialized their ability to kind of go through grit and and things like that. So so yeah, it, it might sound surprising, but um, it's the underpinning of any successful person or any success is a bunch of struggle. And so when people hear it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you struggle. You know, everybody who you see, there's there's I, I know there's exceptions. There's some, some people who who have just made it right, but um, uh, but that's not the that's a, that's a low percentage. You know what? And even to that, though, I spoke about this on a podcast recently. I had an Australian hip hop artist, B-Wise, on the podcast. And we spoke about those people in, um, we're referring to the music space or any space in life, who just kind of stumble into success. And ultimately, what happens, or what I seem to think happens, is short term, it's sweet and it's all going, you know, rosy. And then a little bit of adversity comes in because they haven't actually built the grit or mm -hmm. they don't have the attributes to to push through the adversity, to be resilient, then it kind of falls off. Uh, I yeah. don't think they're ever the people who are long-term successful. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I, and I would say, I mean, there are some people, I, it kind of life is interesting. And, and, and there are some people who I, I kind of, I, I relate it to Mount Everest, okay? Um, and where we're born matters. And there are some people who are born and they're only about 10 feet from the peak, right? That's just, that's their lot in life. They're, they don't have far to go to be at the top of Mount Everest. There are some people who are born, they're not even in Tibet yet, right? I mean, so so depending on where you were born, I say, yeah, Nepal, I guess, um, where you're born matters, you know, so our, our lot in life matters. And just because of the way nature is, because of the way the world is, sometimes you are born in a position where the struggle is a lot more to get to that peak, you know, and I think those who are who are born closer to the top sometimes don't understand the work it takes and so when they get to the top it's not it's not appreciated as much maybe and it's not um 
and it's not uh, it's not cherished as much. So therefore, uh, it, 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 when adversity comes, when things when things kind of bend, it's you often see you often see people kind of take a stumble. Yeah, most definitely. The fourth question is, if there was a daily ritual or routine that you like to keep within your day that you feel sets you up for an element of success or happiness in your day to day, what would that be? Well, I think, um, you know, it, that's going to be subjective for everybody. I think gratitude is probably the most important one and how you how you experience gratitude is going to be up to you. Uh, there are some people who will sit down and write, what am I grateful for? Um, and think about it that way. And there are some people who are, who will go surfing, you know, and, and think about it that way. Uh, for me, I, I mean, I have my family here and I, you know, I spent 20 years in the military and the large portion of it was leaving them. And, uh, and that was hard for all of us and my two boys and my wife. And, and now that I'm home, you know, after, you know, I retired in 17, so I've been home for a while. I'm so grateful to be home. So I hug and kiss my kids every day and my wife. I tell them I love them as much as possible. That for me is a gratitude practice uh, that I would not miss. Um, uh, every day I do it. Even when I'm traveling, I try to do it, but I, you, you, I feel a deficit when I travel. So I think, I think that's a ritual that I have that feeds into this idea of gratitude. Because again, if you are, if you are able to get yourself to a truly grateful place, first of all, biochemically, it's phenomenal what the biochemistry is happening in your body. The, 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 the positive chemicals that your body's creating from that emotion of gratitude. Um, but also it's, it's almost impossible to feel depressed. It's almost impossible to feel unmotivated. It's almost impossible to feel unhappy. Um, and you also put things into context and perspective because there's so many people out there who are suffering um, miserably and, um, and to understand, oh, you know what? I have it pretty good. You know, I'm really grateful <clears throat> for where I am, who I am, where I was dropped off, when, you know, when I was when I was born, the the, the distance from the peak, and I'm gra I'm grateful for the challenge and the struggles I've been given to achieve. And so I think gratitude practice in whatever form that anybody can practice it is is the is the one thing. Mate, so beautifully said. The last question, and what I would seem to think is, you know, well, in my opinion, the most important of the five, yeah. is if there was one message that you could share with the world and encourage them to act on it, what would that message be? Um, it would be that um, in, the, in, the con in the conduct and the exploration and the pursuit of any goal, it's really important to understand that it's not always gonna feel like you're heading towards the objective. And so again, I'll use the mountain, I'll use the rock climber as an example. <clears throat> the rock climber, looks at the, the, the peak or the cliff that he or she wants to climb and says, okay, the outcome is the top, obviously, I got to get to the top. And then usually we'll proceed to map out a, just a, a rough sketch of how they think they're going to climb that rock. Uh, but they understand that they're not going to figure it out until they get climbing, they have to start climbing. And as they're climbing, they're going to recognize at some point, and probably on several points that, that the original path that they saw, or they thought they saw is not actually going to effectively get them there, they're going to have to change their approach. And sometimes in changing their approach, they're gonna to have to look over and the next best handhold or foothold is actually like over there to the right and down, which means they have to move down and away from their goal to get to the next handhold or foothold. And in, in, in doing so may even actually lose sight of the, of the top of the, of the peak. So the, the, the analogy is that when you're in the pursuit of any goal, um, sometimes it's going to feel like you're moving away from it. Sometimes it's gonna feel like you, you've lost sight of it. 
but just focus on that next handhold or foothold, right? And you will get there. And so I always say kind of be resolute in the outcome, but be flexible in your approach. And that's how, that's how you should approach any goal. Um, make, a, make a rough plan, say, okay, and then, and then get moving on it. And then just be flexible as you go and understand that it's not always gonna be rosy and pretty and it's not always gonna feel great. Just make sure you're focusing on the next handhold and foothold. Such a powerful message, mate. It, Rich, it's been such a pleasure to sit here and chat with you. And I know you probably hear that from everyone that you sit down on a podcast with, but I truly mean it. One of the biggest joys for me in what I do is, like I said, I get to learn from incredible people. But there's something that I love at the end of every podcast, and, and I can honestly say it rings true with you. I'm not only a fan of your work, but I'm a fan of you as a man. Now, having had the opportunity to chat and hear about your story, what you're about, and I can visibly see that the human being that you are, you'd have such a value and such an impact on the people around you in your life. You've had an impact on me. So I want to say thank you so much for being a part of a lot to talk about. Thank you for sharing your messages, your learnings with our audience and with myself. And I really want to encourage absolutely everyone who's tapped into today's interview to go ahead and look at the show notes. I'm going to have all of Rich's links to his social medias, all of the links to the websites that you can go and tap into the work, the books, because this is really work that we can all benefit so much from. So mate, the pleasure has been all mine. And you gave me a very nice compliment early on in the podcast and said that um, you admire my grit. But let me tell you, mate, I think it compares nothing to yours. So um, like I said, I'm a fan and it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you, Bradley. Uh, you, you, your story and you inspire me as well. So I appreciate the time. I look forward to our continued relationship. This has been a, a, a fun conversation. So thanks for, thanks for having me.